0: The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Well, hey, church, uh Fathom Church, um, and maybe Arrow Church if, if y'all are watching this as well. But good to good to be with you. My name is uh Chris Martin. I'm the lead pastor at Fathom. Uh, I'm joined today by uh my friend Eric Hampton, who's the lead pastor of Arrow Church. Uh and I'm gonna let him kind of introduce himself. But uh, I just wanted to to kind of open up with this what what we're trying to do today. Uh Eric and I are just doing a Zoom call, and we we press record, and we're going to just try and see if we can uh, have some dialogue. Uh, actually, it's going to be more of a monologue because I really don't feel like I want to talk as much as I want my brother to share with with me. Because my my hope is that uh, as we have this conversation, we can uh, begin to uh, bridge the gap between what I think is uh, the the really a predominantly white church and a predominantly black church, uh, and so so Eric and I met a few years ago. I think we were in Houston, Texas. Uh, we were in this cohort with a church planting organization. And so we showed up in Houston. Uh, man, it was a sweet, sweet thing. Uh, we, I think, I think Eric and I were the only two guys in a room early a room full of pastors and we were there early. So that tells you a little bit about who he and I are. We're the early guys into the room with our notebooks ready to go, but there was nobody else in the room. And we're also the kind of guys who can't sit in a room idly. And so we just struck up a conversation and that conversation led to another conversation. And that week we spent time together and hung out together and ate food together. I got to know each other. And then the, the, the next couple of years, man, we've just been kind of on this friendship journey where Uh, I call him when I've got questions. He calls me when when he's got questions. We just kind of like shared and encouraged and kind of built each other up uh, as young guys, uh, young pastors. Uh, And, and we aren't in necessarily the same, we're not in the same network. We're not even in the same tribe as it were, but man, we are on the same team, which is uh, we want to see the kingdom of God uh, move forward in our cities. So uh, I'm going to let Eric kind of share a little bit about who he is and and introduce himself. uh, And then uh, we're just going to start hitting you with questions, bro. So, um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about you?
1: Well, uh, Eric Hampton, pastor of Arrow Church, um, we, well, first academically, um, and earned Bachelor of Arts degree, a study communications at a local college in Illinois, uh, then received my Master's of Nonprofit Business uh, from a college up north, a University up north um, of Chicago, North Park University. Um, Earning certificates in nonprofit business and church administration and all that kind of thing. And uh, with no idea, no dream, no thought that we would ever be planting a church. And just a few years later, um, in 2013, uh, we began planting a church, my wife and I, uh, with very organically. Uh, I didn't say wrong, but very organically without any type of uh, support. And I mean that from A to Z, no type of support. It was uh, God and us and a small team. And here we are just about in September, seven years later, and God has been faithful to us. We started in a movie theater, which I loved. And then we moved. uh, They kicked us out because they wanted to revamp the church, sell alcohol early. Not the church, excuse me, revamp the movie theater, uh, sell alcohol earlier, all sorts of things they told us. And they said, you got a week to do it. I said, oh, we got a week to get out. That's fine. And we um, then partnered with the Catholic Church that we were um, doing PADS with, PADS being the... um, the homeless uh, population out in the South suburbs. And so it was an easy partnership. And from there we continued to set, uh, serve, continue to save and continue to grow and then found a home um, just about 15 minutes away in Linwood, Illinois. And then of course, after that, then um, meeting you after still wanting to learn about what am I doing? How am I doing this? How is God gracing us? And it was a pleasure to meet you. And that brings us to this point um, today because I believe we're both students, um, and we just happen to we. I think we appreciate the student side of us more than the teacher side of us because we just all want to learn, and so that's where we are um, today. And so I'm really glad, and I thank you for the invitation. Hmm. um, and the questions that you, um, would like to talk about today. And I'm ready to go ahead unless yeah. you, uh,
0: yeah, no, let me ask, let me ask this. Can you, can you paint a, a picture of Linwood and also your church of Arrow church? Cause, cause we're in Littleton, which is a suburb of Denver, uh, which is yes. a predominantly white suburb. Uh, there are, uh, there are some um, minority cultures that are represented in Littleton, but they are they are a minority in Littleton so fathom does have some diversity but it's very small and uh, we are almost exclusively white in our perspective, but we are not a community that is um, immune to certainly what's going on now but also immune to suffering and hardship we are we're five to seven minutes away from Columbine high school so uh, Columbine has colored our our community, uh, uh, the school shootings and violence has been a part of, I mean, the Roar theater shooting is, uh, uh only probably a half hour away from us. There've been multiple school shootings in our uh, area. So we have, we have a, a narrative woven into our community of understanding of, of horrific things. Um, but, but this is the race is kind of a new thing as it were for, for me personally. And I think for our church to begin to really dialogue with, so that's at least the makeup of, of Fathom and of Littleton as a community. And that's, I'm sure that's a broad brush stroke and somebody's going to be upset at me for painting things too, too, you know, quickly, but that's us. That's, that's our church.
1: Okay. Um, okay, so Aero first, and then I'll talk about Linwood. Arrow is about a population uh with less than a less than hundred members. Um so we are, I would say age range from three to eighty-five. Um three months to eighty-five, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I would say um black and Mexican. We have had um Caucasian members um throughout our seven year um of existence. And uh, we're a non-denominational church. Linwood, the demographics in particular, mostly a African-American, um, I would say, working class community. Okay. Um, I mentor at the schools two to three days a week. And so I know that population, that demographic is, uh, they. well, I'll, I'll say it this way, they receive free breakfast and lunch. Um, so that reflects the socioeconomic status, um, when I mentor there, when I'm there, it, it is nothing for um, a, a black student and a white student to both come and hug me, um, looking up to me almost as a father. Um, mm. That's a K through eight school, um, because I already know that that father figure is not there, both in, uh, unfortunately, the Caucasian student and the mm. um, the black student. Um, so there are there. This town has racial tension,
2: okay.
1: although their students get along. There is tension with the adults. Okay. And when I say um, with the adults, I would say village leadership all the way down to uh, residential. Um, there's, t- there's, there's, t- you can cut it with a knife. There's tension.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, and so I do my best effort to reach out to whether it be, um, first responders and all that sort of thing. And it's not what I thought, um, hmm. or what I hoped, but I'm praying that it does change. So there, there is tension here. Um, there are problems here. Um, there, I mean, uh, to hear stories about kids sleeping on, on, um, on floors, Um, kids needing, and and I partner with other folks to get them what they need. Uh, Just a few weeks ago, we were assembling um, care uh, packages because folks did not have clean underwear, toothbrushes, um, uh, things that we take for granted. They need it. So we secured those items and got it for them. And um, uh, when I do have my mentoring two, three times a week, they've got to eat. And some of them have joined our mentoring group because they need to eat. So I'm just trying to paint the picture of exactly, um, the clientele, the residents, um, the future adults that we are serving this community. So it it is a, it is a working class community. Yes.
0: Cool. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's helpful context. Um, so as, as I start asking questions, like, um, my, my purpose as, uh, you know, a white pastor, as a white man, as a white Christian, uh, is, is, really, I want to just hear from from you. I want to hear from somebody who is different, who has a different um, upbringing, who has a different uh, ethnicity, but also who has a different perspective, um, but also shares in a very foundational way, uh, a same ethic and a same uh, value that I think uh, we would both say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to lean into God's word. We're going to lean into God's, God's purposes for our lives. And so I, I feel like I need to listen and learn and grow. And I want to see my empathy deepen. And I hope this is a way that I can serve my church as, as a pastor, uh, just by having this conversation. So this, this one, I don't think I even asked you on, on the questions, but let me just throw this one at you real quick. Cause I, I um, this feels like a safe place where I can ask you this and you're not going to be pissed at me. And if you are, then we'll hash it out later. Okay, bro. But, um, tell me this, like for my, for my friends at my church, my congregation, uh, what's, what's just help me with this. Should, should we call, should we call you black or should we call you African American? Like what's, what is right? Like what's less offensive? What's going to be the right way to even be like, we we talk about black lives. Is, Is that, is that, accurate? Is it African-American lives? Like just help, help me out with that. Cause I've been calling you my black pastor friend. Uh, and I, and I feel okay with you calling me your white pastor friend, but what's, what, what, what's right in this?
1: Um, I would say they're both right. There may be a more right, depending on, um, the topic, depending on the temperature of the conversation, depending on who's in the room. Yeah. And so, um, so saying black pastor friend, that does roll a little bit easier than, uh, my African-American pastor friend is like, well, <laughs> we're really co- correct here. And I am not offended by either because number one, I know your heart and I know, um, what you're trying to communicate when we're talking. And so I have, uh, mentioned to to uh, i have referred to you as my white pastor friend uh, <laughs> my caucasian american uh t- t- tax paying you know it's just you know, um it can get but for certain people their sensibilities you know we do um so we do respond to that but as far as black lives matter when I was thinking even about our questions that you sent to me to just kind of pray over and review that you may ask um I looked at it and i I hate to say this, but I broke it down even to, am I in lowercase B or a capital B? Hmm. Um, and the reason I ask that is because we have, I have grown up. I have been raised in this country, which I do not regret, which I thank God for um, that has seen my ancestors as a lowercase B three fourths of a three-fifths of a human being. And I believe what we are seeing now regarding Black Lives Matter, we are, I believe we're seeing Black America with an ought against, and this is very interesting too, I almost said white America, but I think when I say America, that almost equals white America, that you don't even have to be, and that's a little bit of privilege, that you don't need a preface of who you are. You are a proper noun already. Um, where I have to be black American. Mm. But it's almost us bringing our ought to you and saying, um, we've got beef and we want to talk about it. And this is what we want to say. It's three words. It's black lives matter. And um, so so when we talk about what is correct and what's not correct, I think um, black lives matter is for Saying black friend or black pastor, that is okay. Um, and the reason I thought about that, I with the lowercase b, and I know that sounds trivial, but it's almost um, to the point. I live a life that is um, filtered, uh, and and I'll say it this way, um, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, black people live a life interacting with white
2: people trying to filter out is our relationship integral, superficial?
1: It's almost as if we have to discern and dissect your intention in our relationship. Is it only work only? Or will you acknowledge me in the grocery store? Um, And it's a very interesting, unfortunate relationship that we have to interact with, whether it be at work, whether it be even at church, that when we, um, are you my neighbor just because we live next door to each other? Or are you also my neighbor um, when we're away? Like, can we, can we speak or do we know there's a code of silence that you don't want your friends to know you have a black friend? Hmm. Do I not want my friends to know I have a white friend? And, um, so, um, when we talk about, is it okay to be, yes, it's okay to use African-American with me. It's okay to be, I, I, I totally understand it because I know your heart. Yeah. Okay. And that's so, helpful. yeah, I was getting, I was getting a little ahead of myself. That's, but and, I that's
0: just you know. and that's awesome because I like, and he, like, I, I don't want to offend anybody, mm-hmm. certainly you, because you know, we have a relationship, but, um, I think that's one of the hesitants that, that some people uh, specifically white people that I, that I interact with, they almost don't know what to say or what not to say. So, that, so again, it's not as simple as just use this or use that. It's also, you, you got to start looking at relationships. You got to start building, um, friendships with people and begin to read what that relationship allows for. Um, cause yeah, it may not, it may be different from person to person. Um, Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. Well, let me ask, let me ask this first question. Um, And I I felt like this was way open-ended. So uh, you take it how you want it to go. And you may have already started on that journey, but can you explain to us what it means to be a black person in America today?
1: Okay. Well, first I'll say being black is awesome. Um, Being black is um, being a part of a, this, this class of creative, musical, um, very a, a, a genius group of people, whether it be um, out on the street or in a studio or in a kitchen or athletically, being black is amazing. I would not ask God to change his mind when saying, "I want to make air camps in black." Mm. Um, so I do, I do want to say that. Being black is a blessing; um, it is a gift. But with that gift that we all received with life comes humanity, which also makes it bad for my health. Okay. Um, physical health, uh, mental health, emotional health. Um, being black in America means, and I preface that it means is Chris, my friend, or just my associate as a pastor, is are we really brothers um, who do the same thing for the same man? Um it being black in America means um I have to deal with I had to, I was raised, I had, and I was raised and I believe it. You have to be twice as good as them. You have to be twice as smart as them. You have to, um, you have to wake up early. You have to be polite. You have to uh, speak in a certain tone. You have to. You you don't have a day off. You don't have the you don't have the luxury or the privilege to go to a job interview and not have, be suited and booted and be, I mean, just, you must be precise at all times. You must speak in complete sentences. You must, you, you must look people in the eye. You, I mean, it, being black in America means I am, I understand that I may be critiqued more heavily than someone else. I must be more qualified to be considered being black in America means that my name is Eric Vincent Hampton. My brother is Jeff Anthony Hampton. Being black in America means our parents told us we gave you those names on purpose so no one would know your ethnicity on paper so that um, they would judge you on, okay, he's got this degree, he's got this um, education, he's got this experience, let's call him in for an interview. That's being black in America that in a way, I could not, my parents did not embrace a more perhaps cultural name.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Being black in America means that um, black black women, their hair is subject to your discretion. Um, And you may have heard some stories where there were student athletes where referees said either cut his hair or he can't wrestle. And the black student literally had to get his hair cut at the event to even participate. That's what being black in America means. It means that we, it means that any authority or any person who believes they're in authority can approach us and remind us we're still three-fifths even though we're free. Being Black in America means we are free because you said we can be free now. It means we're free on paper. It does not mean we are free. Being Black in America means that when my parents moved us to Homewood, we experienced white flight, meaning that the Martins maybe didn't want to live next to the Hamptons, Maybe they didn't want their children to go to school with the Hamptons. Maybe they didn't want to go to the same church with the Hamptons. So let's just pick up our stuff and go. And so um, there goes the
2: neighborhood. That's what being black in America means negatively. That that we
1: just, I feel that I have to do so much. Being black in America means I can, being black in America means That we had to have a president, a black president, who was an attorney, who went to the best schools in America, who started from grassroots and worked his way up. And then he was preceded by a man who was not an attorney, never a professor, does not have any education or experience in serving anything as small as a local community school board. And yet he's the most powerful man in the world. A black man could never hold that office with the same resume as president Trump. So that's being black in America mm-hmm. in
2: a nutshell.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure you could keep going and I could hear the, you could preach it, you know, <laughs> you started yeah, to, started I to, my, uh, you can bring it Ron. You can bring it. We can, well, I, I mean, we'll see. I'll, if I start mopping my brow, you know how that goes. Uh, we'll, we'll see where we're at. um, yeah. um okay. Is so, so, if that's, if that's, um, kind of what, what it means to be black in America to you. And I'm sure that each, each, just like each white American has a different story. Each black American has a different story and to characterize everybody is super problematic. But, um, let's, let's, let me ask this personally, like, talk to me about a moment in your life that, that would define maybe the, the opposite, like white America to you. Like, do you, Do you have, you have a story or an experience that you could share with us that you would say, this is, this is what in my mind characterizes unhealthy, maybe even if it's, even if it's a, a, a a generalization that you wouldn't want to lay on me, your white friend. Okay. Like something that you would say, Hey, that, that characterized white America for me.
2: I would say, I remember when I was in seventh grade. And now
1: remember, as I'm being raised, I'm already being, I'm being groomed to protect me, um, to make sure I, you know, when when you're being, when you're told the goal is to make it home, you know? So my brother and I are being groomed this way. He's who's two years older than I. I remember being in seventh grade on the basketball team. And this was um, at our middle school. It was a six through eight school and After school one day, I did not go in the locker room. Um, We were playing and I wanted to use the bathroom. I went to the bathroom across the hall. Go to the bathroom, across the hall. No one's in there except me and a noose hanging from the ceiling. Um, I tell the coach, I'm in tears. The next day, um, you know, all type of information is going home and calls going home. And uh, within two days, there is a meeting after school for the entire school to talk about race relations. And I remember um, my white friends, it was a mostly Caucasian uh, community we went to um, because of the schools. Our, our parents wanted to go us to go to the best schools that their money could afford. And I remember one of my white friends saying, I don't understand what you're so upset about. Because he didn't understand I was triggered by a noose. I had never seen one personally uh, in in terms of tangibly. I had only seen stories, nightmares, I guess. I had only read books. I had only seen black history films. I had only seen the, the uh, black people hanging from trees by a, a noose. And then for me to be seventh grade, to live in a, you know, very carefree um, in, in terms of, I'm not judging anyone or prejudging anyone to walk into and for me to see that. And then a couple of days later to hear my white friend, he was just being on. I don't know why this is such a big deal. I don't know why you're upset. I'm sitting, I can't even speak in this meeting. I'm crying even in the meeting while a teacher is trying to get us to talk about race. And I remember him saying, why are we even doing this? And that told me even at a elementary age, that there is a divide regarding our understanding. There's a trigger that does not trigger everyone. There are images, there are words, graphic images and words that trigger us. And um, for me, even this morning to find out about um, what happened at NASCAR and that there was, and, and I'm, you know, mentioned this accidentally, but there was a noose, um, the, a black driver at NASCAR. He had a noose in his stall on Sunday. And I'm just like, that triggered me because I instantly went back to when I was in seventh grade and I walked in innocently to use the bathroom and I saw a noose. And so I can't imagine um, how he felt. So that told me, in an elementary age that there is white America that is not necessarily against you, but doesn't understand your perspective. Mm -hmm. And so I still went to East Illinois, um, with some of my white friends because it did not teach me. And I thank God for this. It did not teach me or train me to hate people. My parents did not teach me or train me to hate white people. It told me to love myself and protect myself, but not hate people. And so, um, there's another incident and I'll, um, We were playing basketball, my brother and some of his friends, mostly his friends, playing basketball in our driveway. Um, And I would say the home surrounding were you had to you had to work pretty well or have several jobs to live in this community. I'll be honest with you. Um, And uh, living well. And a police car drives by and stops. And we all stopped. We're all black. And we look. And they, you know, down the window, rolls on the window and says, who lives here? And my brother and I, we live here. And he says, and I'll never forget this. You live here? Yes, we live here. Where are your parents? They're at work. (laughs) Now, it's about 20 of us, some sitting on the lawn, waiting on their turn to play. We are, like, fearful. We think he's going to, whatever. And, oh, they're at work? Yeah, they're at work. Okay and that was probably a 60 second engagement that seemed like 60 minutes of interrogation still not realizing what really ha- happened because now that i look back and i'm 40 42 i look back at that it was he was basically telling us you really live here or are you just playing in someone's driveway
2: black people can afford this house um it was it was just horrible. It was just, looking back at that is horrible. So it told me about white America in a different
1: way. That white authority sees us differently. And we had, I had other in, incidents and run-ins with, um, with police, not in a negative way, just like, what are you guys doing walking down this block? Why don't you go home? You know, and it, it would be Halloween. <laughs> it would just be, well, we're just getting candy and hanging out. It's not even nine o'clock well, you guys need to go home. Okay. So th- those have been some of my experiences as a young person that helped gu- train me and teach me, but they never made me think negatively to hate people or despise white people.
0: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. Um, man, will you uh, will you address, um, obviously, so, so so you have this story, you have these experiences uh i imagine every every member of your church has their own stories, their own experiences, and it can color them into a certain light uh and, and so some people are saying, "Hey, how do you respond now to what's going on in the protests and even into the rioting and things like that that um that uh that the recent events are kind of that, that there's been this critique that that um in the protests, specifically in the rioting, this has become a movement that is not pro-Black lives, but that is anti-America or anti-police. And so knowing your, just knowing your heart and knowing your experiences, what, how do you speak to that um, critique, uh, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah, well, I would say that um, I understand how some could be offended by Black lives matter because again, their your perspective is well, don't all lives matter, but from the pers because you're not stepping into my shoes in terms of turning on the TV and seeing over over and over again these incidents and accidents or intentionalities of black men in particular being just murdered, and police getting, you know, um, administrative leave, or they come back and they get retro pay, and all of that. So it is not anti-police. I do not believe Black Black Lives Matter. And, And I had someone, even on social media, say that is one of the worst organizations, even in the Klan. Well, we're not, and when I say we, I'll say Black Lives Matter does not you know, have uh, crosses burning on lawns and homes getting berated and bombing churches and all that that sort of thing. Black Lives Matters, that's an organization that's for something, not against something. And if they're against something, it's, it's more of a, an ideology, it's more of a practice, it's more of a spirit rather than a person. So it's not against the, the man or woman wearing the blue shirt, it's what the blue shirt represents in, the, in cold blue. Um, th- this cold blue of silence, this cold blue of, okay, th- this person died on your watch, we'll fix it and and move on. You don't, you don't have to pay a price for that. So it's not that we are uh, black people or Black Lives Matter is anti-America, Um, But I will say this. I believe black Americans believe, believes America owes them. Hmm. For 400 years of, I mean, for, for black people to have built the most important house in the world, and for that house to not properly acknowledge them. To still, um, I'll say this, we can't even have three words. Um, if we say Black Lives Matter, the counter is all lives matter. It's like, can we just have three words? Can we just matter for 30 seconds? Um. Black Lives Matter does not mean white lives does not. Um, It does not mean polite police lives do not. Um, It simply means I'm bleeding over here. Can someone help me? Um, Yeah, I'm going to stay there for a moment. Being black in America simply means I'm bleeding and you're holding the bloody sword. Don't tell me to get over it. Don't tell me to hurry up and heal. Don't t- tell me that, well, I didn't do it, they did it and they're dead.
2: But you are benefiting from the,
1: the injustice that was perpetrated on black people, black slaves, Um for so many years, we don't even, at the very least, can we have an apology? See, um, I would say this, black people enjoy February, everybody else simply endures it and say, we gave you a month. But we still don't have fairness and housing. Fairness in the banking system, where um, a maj- uh, you know we can we can pull data and see so much of uh, financial lending does not go to
2: African American communities. Um, and I, I can even share that even with um,
1: securing the loan for this church, um, there were some Caucasian bankers who were very direct with me, and they were saying, you people, as they denied the loan, you people. And
2: I was, you people. Um, Black people are not against the police.
1: Black people do not hate the police. Black people and Black Lives Matter is against police brutality. That's, that's what it is, and that's all it is. And just because we are for something does not mean we are against something. I would love, and I believe you would do it, if, um, if we, we were going to have a march and you were right down the street, and I'd say, hey, pastor, come, come march with us. I believe you would do it. And I believe, and we're calling them allies, because the only way to shift this, it's not for me to do it it's for me to have my white brothers and my white sisters just come along with us. Mm.
0: Tell me this. um, Thanks for sharing that stuff too, by the way, this, this is just, this is just perspective that I don't live. And so I need to hear it and I need to learn from it. Um, Tell me this as a, as a pastor, as a clergyman, um, where do you see racism in the body of Christ? And I, and I intentionally leave that open enough for you to say, in in a white body of Christ or in a black body of Christ, where do you see racism in the body?
2: Gosh, God is not racist, but His church is. We have taken His church and segregated His church, and continue to segregate His church from probably nine to 12 every Sunday. Hmm.
1: Um, there's there's segregation and racism in the church, number one, by what we do not preach, by what we do not cheat, teach in, as far as equity, equality, um, fairness. Um, sometimes there's an injustice that's, communicated in society. And I believe God prophetically is saying even to the white church, will you say something? You you may not have to rework your whole sermon, but maybe God wants us to pause and just say this is what happened in society to this group of people. Let's just pray about
2: this incident that this doesn't happen again, that justice prevails,
1: and somehow God gets the attention and glory out of this incident somehow. And let's just pray, you know, even if it's just that, but
2: somehow because of, um, it doesn't affect anybody in your congregation,
1: it may not affect anybody in your community, in your you know that you can your demographic mm-hmm. it doesn't affect anybody on your social media that finance that finances the ministry that volunteers with the ministry it doesn't affect any elders any board members then we just kind of just skate over it um, there's racism in the church and hiring um,
2: I was um, My wife and I were recruited by, (laughs) before launching
1: Arrow, we were recruited by a, if I was to say his name, and I won't, um, a well-known pastor. And I believe it was because we were black, but we would not have had the authority that we thought we would. So basically... Um, We're starting a campus in a particular area and you and your wife who has um, youth pastor experience We'd like you to lead that campus. That campus is in a black community Okay, so now I have to think of am I Do I qualify if you couldn't see me because the interview was over video do would
2: we qualify if we weren't black am I your token? When I think of how many pastors have campuses
1: and I've looked at some of these larger churches and the campus pastors, and I'm just like, all right, that's 10. And I still don't see one. Oh, there's one. And it's, where's the quality in leadership that has real leadership that is not just, okay, you stand up and do that, but has a voting voice. racism in the church that
2: um unfortunately sometimes we'll just be hired to sing and dance bring your gifts
1: and go sit down over there because i want to look like i have
2: a culturally relevant church yeah Um, and because church is made up of people When we say, is the church racist? Um, Well, the rhetorical question to ask ourselves is, can a
1: black young man date your daughter? Can a black woman date your son? Can they come home and say, I'm in love with this
2: guy. I'm in love with this girl. Hmm. Um. And my wife and
1: I, with our two sons, we are whomever you wanna love, we're good. Um, So I would say yes, um, God's house, God's church is uh, is infected and affected negatively by racism. Mm. Yeah, If, if, by the way, what we're doing right now, I really don't think people understand how much God is being glorified by this conversation. The simple fact that we are talking um, and that this will be shared with um, certain community members of our churches, this is not happening at so many other churches and will not
2: for whatever reason. This This is such a blessing is
1: there racism in the church have has the pastor ever brought in a guest speaker that doesn't look like anybody else that doesn't preach like anybody else that is preaching god but is comes from a different perspective that can challenge us that can push us forward
0: yeah you know it's um yeah it's good that you bring up pastors too because um, you know, I can't speak for all white pastors, but I have some, I have some close friend, uh, white pastors in predominantly white churches who have, you know, over, over the course of however many years have become convinced that the racial divide is something to preach against is something to stand for is something to, uh, be unified over and to educate their congregations over and, uh, have felt extreme pushback sometimes from certain people in their churches, as I would assume there, there probably would be, if, if as a black pastor in a black church, uh, if you were to uh, even to have this conversation with, with a, a white guy to have these, these kinds of talks, I mean, to cross as it were the aisle, uh, it, maybe my pews are on this side, your pews are on that side for us to cross the aisle and, and have these dialogues, uh, and I hope is a way to serve, um, and to, in some ways start in our little areas in our little, you know, my one little world, your one little world begin to, uh, cross pollinate a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, t- talk to me about this, man. How, how can, how can I, as a white Christian just grow in my love and my respect and my empathy for, uh, for black brothers and sisters? Like how, how can I, Just you know, school me in this. How how do I deepen my empathy and love for for you, my brother, who is created in God's image, an image bearer of the Almighty? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, this is the first step, Um, and I really thank God for just creating you with a humble heart to even want to do this. So there must be humility. in both ways, because I can easily think man you don't want to hear me um, or maybe you're just doing this to appease me or just you know you 'll just put this on the shelf, but there must be humility number one pastors um, pastors must begin to lead prayers that are repentive in terms of lord there's something inside of me, not if <laughs> like lord there's something inside of me that is Inherently racist. I have benefited from the privilege of white supremacists. I have this I, this this practice, this thought pattern, these systems that have been set up hundreds of years before me, and I have benefited from
2: that. You, um, it, it, it's like, Lord, show me. Show me me
1: so that I do not think or continually or articulate anything that is racist. Lord, t- purge anything out of me that is racist, that would come out of me that would prejudge and misjudge and overly judge people. It's a repentive heart. Mm. It's a repentive heart, and it's a repentive heart on our side too. That Lord help us not think that every past, every white pastor does not care about black people or the black church or the black experience. It's it's that's what it is. It's a repentive heart, and then after you do that, you're leading your people to say,
2: "Yeah, um,
1: we, we we repent." We repent for the man who didn't repent when he he raped a black slave. We repent for um, even uh, even wives of slaves taking men in the back to to, to um, sexually serve and abuse them. And if you don't do it, then I will, you know, basically like Potiphar's wife and Joseph. Um, it's a it's a repentive heart. Then it starts it starts in the church. Um, judgment starts in the house of God. Then, then it starts at home that I'm going to, my wife and I are going to raise our children to treat people fairly to when we speak about people of different ethnicities that we do. We make sure that we use words that do not demonize, that do not hurt, that do not, that do not further harm other people as they're still developing in this world. Um, it starts It starts at the church and then it starts at in our own hearts and it starts at home. Mm-hmm. And if um, Caucasian pastors and members could really begin to take that same heart of God that is God created everyone in his image and that we will all stand in judgment and that we will all stand also together in worship of him, that my black brother is not my enemy, um, that I am my brother's keeper, and that um, I am to open my mouth and pursue justice and to make sure that the needy and the hurting are taken care of because I celebrate with those who are celebrating. I also mourn with those who mourn. And we have,
2: I am parenting through trauma, I am pastoring through trauma. Um, I am leading and bleeding at the same time. Um, I have a wife who's prayerful.
1: I have a therapist who will just text me and say, I can't wait till we talk. Because I know you've got something good to say. I mean, I've, I've got a support system that helps me do what I do because I know when I stand up, I preach to people who have told me, if you didn't preach that sermon, I was going home to kill myself. If you didn't preach that sermon, I was going to just cuss somebody out. I'm, I'm, we're preaching to people. I am preaching to people in particular who are in distress mm-hmm. and they are afraid to let their son drive a car. And their whole goal is, God, I hope he makes it back. Um, that they don't want their kids to go away to college because they don't want to see what they're seeing now. That black within the last two weeks, there have been about half a dozen um, young black people just hung from a noose. This is not an accident. People are just like, I don't want to get that phone call. And so that's who I'm preaching to. That's what it's like to be me. And that's my responsibility. And I just ask that that whomever watches this video, repenting is what we do as believers anyway. But this type of repentance is, Lord, I know it's in my heart somewhere that my tendencies, my defaults might be a little bit more leaning in direction of my ethnicity. Lord, help me to be fair and just and to love people and to treat the least of these as I would want to be treated, yeah.
0: dude. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just this is what I need to 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 hear. This is what I need to learn. This is what my church needs to hear and learn. What what? Uh, let's see. I want to. I want to I ask one last. Uh, really, it's just this. Like what what am I missing in like, this is the first word. Okay. This isn't the final word. All right. We're, we're, we're having the first word. Uh, I'm hoping that, that we can have more. Uh, I mean, I know you and I are going to have more conversations, uh, but, but what's like, if I'm, if I, if I need to ask a question, if I'm missing something right now, what am I not asking you that I need to start to consider that I, that I, I need to engage with um, as I'm, as I'm trying to uh, deepen and understand myself and, um, how ethnicity and race plays a part in our world.
2: Um, this is what I would say to you, and it's not really a, a question. I would I would say
1: because your you, your church has a serv- a heart of servitude. I see that through social media. Um, I would say maybe. Don't just serve someone who looks like me. Um, I would say try to find maybe an event, maybe an annual event where you can serve next to your church members, your, your uh, community of faith can serve next to a church of a different demographic. Hmm. Maybe be for Thanksgiving. Maybe it's um, you hear somebody's collecting black socks for the homeless, and all of us uh, we we gather black socks. And I say black socks because that shows dirt um, less than white socks. It doesn't show doesn't show dirt as easy as white socks. So when we collect socks, we get, collect black socks. Maybe it's something like that. It doesn't matter. Just maybe find out what is another church from a different ethnicity than ours. What are they doing? And maybe even if it's just once a year, let's just connect with them and serve together.
2: Mm.
1: And that begins to break the stronghold of racism um, in the community and inside of us. Because sometimes the enemy is enemy. And um, the greatest among us will be those who serve. Yeah. And I think we all want to... We all want to worship God through serving. And I believe um, that would be a great thing for you to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because well, we were down from you. Hey, man. Man, we were serving together.
0: So, Chicago and Denver, it's, I mean, there's some miles between us.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: You're just uh, in, the, in the suburban. Uh, <laughs> you're in the suburban Chicago. Yeah. You're I no
0: got to drive through a lot of cornfields to get to you, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh hey Eric thank you for for giving us some time uh can i pray for you for us for our communities and um and uh if you're willing and 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 my crew uh I, I just think it would be good for us to to do this a couple more times and and uh i actually think it would be cool uh to to ask questions get some questions from people in my church from people in your church that we could ask each other to just uh keep yeah. this dialogue going um so let me let me let me just pray if that's cool with you and then uh, uh we'll we'll sign off from here. Father, um, I am truly thankful for uh, your grace. Lord, I'm truly thankful for your church. I'm truly thankful uh, for my brother, Eric, for his uh, church, for Arrow Church, for his family, Lord, for his community in Linwood. Uh, God, as um, the the thing that it's just on my heart right now is that I want to just sit and and be with him, mourn with him. I I think of... I think of... uh, Job's friends who show up when he is suffering and they try and offer answers. Uh, and it's when they just kind of shut their mouths that they were the best help. And so Lord, I, I pray that's my posture of listening and learning and empathizing and encouraging and supporting. And then father, when the time is right, which it is now, uh, that, that I would leverage my position, uh, for equality for my brother, uh, for his, um, For his church lord for his congregation uh lord for your kingdom which is every tribe every tongue every nation at the table so uh lord we bless you today we thank you that there is more to unite under than there is to divide over i pray we would learn uh where um where our identity is truly found in this in, in you in you alone so Lord, bless Eric, bless his kids, bless his wife, bless his church, uh, bless Arrow Church, bless his ministry, bless their city, bless our nation. We pray in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
2: Amen. Mm. Amen.